Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Duncan van Bergen, Vice President, Shell New Energies. Welcome, Duncan. Thanks so much, Matthias. Great to meet you. Great to have you here. Duncan, we want to talk about the role of the energy sector and its acting uh, towards the energy transition. If there's radical enough, what more has to be done? What is Cell doing in this? But before do this, we do this, it would be great if you can introduce yourself as a person as well, the part of Shell you're from. So, um, as you said, my name is Duncan Van Bergen. I, uh, I am, uh, my home is here in Singapore, actually, so it's, it's wonderful to to have an event happening here um, close to home. I've been with Shell for, for quite a while. I've uh, joined Shell in 1997 and I've had the pleasure of working in many different parts of our business. So I've seen uh, through that lens quite a few pieces of the energy uh, system as we are going to be talking about uh, today. Um, but uh, I now work in Shell's New Energies Group, which is um, a part of Shell that we've set up in 2016, really to pull together all the pieces of business that we had already running in Shell for some of them for, for, uh, for a decade or more that have to do with Shell's energy transition towards a lower carbon future. And that's, now, uh, that's where I now work. That links quite nicely into my first question, because one thing we hear today, there's a lot of discussion about oil and gas and coal is kind of the enemy of the future. But we shouldn't forget to set the scene that we wouldn't have arrived here with creating wells, creating innovation without these industries. Now we are rushing out, out of them. But what does it do to an industry? Like, what, How do you define yourself? What is the transition there um, towards this new future we have to adopt to? Look, it, I think you, you position it uh, well in the sense that energy plays an absolutely core role to both the economy and to society. Yeah, we cannot imagine a society without energy. It wouldn't exist uh, the way we have gotten used to living. Energy is what makes businesses tick, uh, is what provides heat, cooling. It's what all of us uh, use at home to... to power our lives. And I think it's important to set the debate properly in the sense that as society, we probably have a dual challenge. As society, we need to take account of the fact that um, the population is growing. Uh, we'll talk perhaps a bit later about the Shell scenario work, but um, we, as uh, like most observers, see the population in the world growing to close to 10 billion people by 2070. Um, and people are getting more prosperous, and that's a good thing. And more and more people are joining the middle class um, every year. Um, and what is a natural phenomenon is that as people get more wealthy, they use more energy on a per capita basis. And at the same time, we clearly have a CO2 challenge. And so we have this dual challenge now, and, and absolutely the energy system and the energy industry is smack in the center of that challenge of providing more energy and cleaner energy for a growing and wealthier population. So it's, it's about recognizing that we need to do both. We need to provide more energy so that people 
can have uh, happy, healthy livelihoods. And we need to do it in a way that is compatible with the big challenge that we have ahead of us, which is staying in line with um, in line with the Paris Agreement commitments, yeah? staying in line with a temperature increase of well below two degrees C and, and aiming at one and a half degrees Celsius. And if anything, the IPCC report that was released puts renewed urgency behind that of saying, well, one and a half degrees Celsius is actually what we should be aiming for. About a year ago, we had a podcast with Brian Davis from Shell New Energies, and he told us about the different areas of opportunities you are focusing on. So when I copy that right, it was new low carbon fuels for transportation, deployment of wind and solar energy, and then finally new business models for energy driven by digitalization and decentralization of energy systems. Can you grab an example, like one thing maybe what has happened since then these models were brought up? Well, uh, the way Brian put it to you in the, in the previous podcast is absolutely still spot on. So indeed, it's, it's around uh, power um, and low carbon energy is part of the power system. It's about uh, new fuels and how they continue to be an important component of the overall energy system. And it's about new solutions. Um, we have moved absolutely in line with that strategy. So in the power space, we've uh, done some some uh, big moves. We uh, earlier this year completed the acquisition of First Utility, a UK-based um, electricity retailer. So now we are in, in the direct contact with consumers, which uh, we think um, is important in the sense of how the entire uh, energy system is being reshaped, where the consumer and their choices is playing an important part. Um, we've also made a number of acquisitions uh, in, in uh, other related areas to do with uh, decentralized power. Uh, we recently uh, took a participation in a, in a German company called Zonnen, uh, which is an active player in home-based systems uh, that, that, uh, that allow optimization around having home-based electricity generation and how that flows back into the grid. Um, and we've done other moves like that. Um, at the same time, in the new fuels arena, we continue to grow quite rapidly. We have historically already uh, a big position in, in biofuels. Um, we are growing in hydrogen uh, together with innovative partnerships. We have a number of um, hydrogen uh, retail stations for mobility in Germany are growing similarly in California, uh, quite exciting. Um, and also in the electric mobility space um, is an area where we are becoming quite active. Earlier this year, we uh, completed the acquisition of a, a European company, Dutch-based, called New Motion. Uh, they are a provider of home and, and uh, basically off-site uh, charging solutions, the largest in Europe. I think uh, I, I need to check the numbers, but I think they have more than 50,000 charge points across Europe. So as you can tell, we are, um, we are walking the talk, I think, in the sense of, of executing on some of that strategic roadmap that you discussed with Brian earlier. Yeah, it's an impressive array of activities. Thanks for sharing this. I, I can't do it justice, um, uh, literally. I, I'm just trying to give you a few, uh, a few snapshots. Yes. When I look at the bigger industry, or let's say climate change as a problem uh, for the entirety of the industries, um, our own energy transition outlook uh, comes to the conclusion that we are massively uh, 
overreaching the carbon budget we had given us, 810 gigatons uh, CO2, we come up with something beyond 900. Then you mentioned the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report, which had very alarming signals on what now needs to happen in the next 12 years to prevent climate change or warming beyond the 1.5 degree or 2 degree, which would already be a disaster. If you look at the industries entirely, would you say we, are, we have understood the matter of urgency? Are we moving aggressively enough? And once again, I'm not talking about Shell now. I talk about the industry as a whole. And what would be opportunities there to move faster? Well, look, in terms of whether people have understood it, I, in that sense, I can only talk for Shell, and I think we have we have understood it and um, have aligned our strategy accordingly. But beyond that, I absolutely believe we're just getting started, and then I'm talking for the entire economy, including the energy system. Uh, we're we're just getting started, and we have a long ways to go. Um, this is about achieving a transformation of the entire energy system in a way that, that probably has very few parallels before it. Um, I, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at uh, some of our scenario work. So Shell has been for decades, since the 1970s, a big believer in the importance of doing scenario work to look at what are believable future states of, of the world and of the energy um, uh, industry specifically within that. Um, and earlier this year, we released and published a, a scenario called Sky. And um, Sky is a scenario where we have uh, depicted what is a technically uh, possible um, but fairly complicated uh, future state where indeed we achieve the goal of being well below two degrees Celsius. And in certain options of the scenario, you actually get to the one and a half degrees Celsius. It's the first time we published a normative scenario. So that's one where there is actually a specific outcome around which we test whether it's possible or not. Um, and, and Sky suggests that while extremely complicated, whilst requiring an unprecedented level of collaboration between government, civil society, business and consumers, that it is possible. Um, and I would say it is therefore also imperative that we try to achieve it. Perhaps a few highlights, uh, Matthias, if I may, from that. One of the, uh, one of the striking, well, a few of the striking um, uh, changes that we see in the sky scenario. Um, I'd, I'd first mention on the primary energy system uh, so the sources of energy being used um, globally, you see us evolving from a situation today where still about 80% of primary energy comes from fossil fuels, so oil, gas, coal, and the remaining 20% a mixture of biomass and, and still typically a lot of traditional biomass, so peat, dung, wood, um, as well as uh, a bit of uh, nuclear some hydro and uh, some early uh, renewables penetration. Shifting in 2070, which is the, the year in which, uh, to which we forecast the scenario, uh, flipping that entirely on its head. So uh, a role for fossil fuels of less than 20% of that primary energy mix, an enormous growth of renewable energy sources in, in the energy mix. Um, and a remainder of about 20% um, fossil fuels. 
mostly driven by hard to decarbonize sectors of the economy. Uh, some of them um, uh, where fossil fuels are used for their chemical or high heat properties. For example, there's still a piece of coal in there, but that's only metallurgical coal. Um, and there are some use in dense energy carriers that we still see uh, for fossil fuels in that in that scenario. But so that's one big shift, um, that flipping around of the primary energy mix. And I'll mention one more, um, which is um, in the way we use energy as businesses and consumers, a real revolution in the amount of electrification that you see in the economy. Yeah, bear in mind that today, the way in which we use energy is only 20% through electricity. Yeah, this is for many people a, a bit of a surprise and say, look, well, energy is electricity. No, today energy is 80% non-electric. And what we see is that by 2070, um, in that sky scenario, we get to about 50% electrification, which is an enormous amount of growth. Um, and that is also how you bring a lot of the uh, renewable energy sources into, uh, into the mix um, and how you achieve um, uh, some of the much needed decarbonization. Um, when you say, or when I say 50% um, electrification, it does mean that there's 50% non-electric. And so that means um, a lot of work around also other sectors of the economy and figuring out how we decarbonize those. And I'll say one more thing and then I'll stop. Um, is in the sky scenario very much we see that it requires action on a concerted action on quite a few fronts yeah so it is about electrification but it's also about the importance of a price on co2 it is also about uh, technological breakthroughs um, and it is also about uh, recognizing the role nature has to play in uh, getting us to a uh, to an acceptable scenario on uh, uh, in terms of energy growth and and uh, lower CO2. Thank you. So what you just described is also reflecting, of course, a great amount of transformation, innovation inside Shell. So that's maybe the last point I would like to draw on in, in this podcast. How do you manage this? How much is driven by your maybe own R&D? How much are you working together with partners? How important is that to get these external inputs how do you manage innovation and transformation inside Shell? That's a great question, Matthias. And um, I'm going to be a little bit more detailed than say all of the above. But um, it is indeed all of the above. But I want to recognize something you, you say, which is um, the importance of partnerships and the importance of us reaching beyond the organization, um, both from a perspective of innovation, from a perspective of talent, from a perspective of expertise. Uh, we see more and more how we are partnering with startups. Um, Shell is, was the first um, large energy company to start a corporate venturing arm. Uh, it's called Shell Ventures. Shell Ventures has been incredibly active in the energy transition, has taken uh, participations in some really uh, really cool uh, ventures that may or may not um, succeed in, in being part of, of, of helping the energy transition. That's the nature of venturing. I mentioned already how we, we took, for example, a stake in, in Zonen um, and bought New Motion. We, uh, we're also, we have a, an agreement with Ionity in other parts of Europe 
with regard to fast charging solutions, but many, many more. And so be it on the R&D where we're working intensely with a number of, of uh, universities across the globe in the area of venturing where we uh, have an active, uh, very active participation. Um, but also in terms of new people I see joining the organization, um, this is very much a, a recognition that um, what's happening is no less than the total transformation of the energy uh, system. Very good. Yeah, unfortunately coming already to the end of this episode, but I have one last question. We are recording here at the site of the Singapore International Energy Week. Uh, invest, innovate, integrate uh, is their slogan this year. Um, what is your main takeaway from what you could see so far? Well, I'd say um, that a lot of the speakers I've heard, people I've met with, um, are extremely acutely aware of the importance of the energy transition. Um, and I think there is a mixture of um, a realization that this is a daunting responsibility together with an enthusiasm around the business opportunities that come out of it. Um, and I'd say that most, if not all of the people I've met have that mixture of, hey, the agenda is big and heavy and we have a lot of work ahead of us, but also, wow, this, this is, this is a, an enormous time of opportunity. Thank you very much, Duncan, for your highly interesting insights. That was Duncan van Bergen, Vice President, Shell New Energies. Thanks, Matthias. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.